the horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That's, that means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Happy to have you with us again, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of American Road Trip Talk, where we take to the open road on the radio. We managed to pull off that miracle week in and week out. I have some great news for American Road Magazine readers and lovers of the open road. Celebrate the golden age of Route 66. The cars, the music, the food, the friends made along the way, all brought together at the International Route 66 Mother Road Festival in Springfield, Illinois. It's going to be held September 27 through 29. Unlike many festivals, this one offers free spectator admission. Don't miss the spectacular 2,000-car Friday night classic car cruise into downtown and the unforgettable burnout competition on Saturday. The International Route 66 Mother Road Festival is coming up quickly, so get your motor running and head out to historic Springfield, Illinois. Once again, happy to have you with us and happy to have a great studio guest there in Seattle and broadcasting worldwide and podcasting worldwide as well, thanks to the good efforts of our buddy Eric at the board. I want to introduce you to Matt Shea. Matt Shea is a retired teamster and a proud dad who was always there for his daughter. He also shows his love for America by volunteering for seniors and writing family-friendly books about small-town USA. But there's something else you need to know about Matt Shea, and I only found this out recently. Matt is someone who, and I'm about to coin the nickname here, Matt Shea is a spirit spelunker. He goes to haunted locations, places of mystery where the eerie is strong in western Washington. And when he does so, he makes some discoveries and collects some tales that will make your hair stand on end. And so I thought this is the perfect opportunity to get a hold of Mr. Shea and have him join us. He is in the 11.50 a.m. studio in Seattle. Matt Shea, welcome to Trip Talk. So happy to have you with us. Hey, Gary, it's fun to be with you. I am delighted that you have this hobby. It's a passion of yours. It's one that I admire from afar, and I guess it's just circumstances that have kept me over the years from going to as many places I, as I would have liked to where there are reported hauntings, haunted spots, haunted sights and sounds. I get a thrill out of that kind of stuff ever since I was a kid. And here you are, a spirit spelunker. That's not your term, that's mine, but that's also meant as a compliment because you are so into it. So I would love to talk to you today, Matt, about the places that you have been in Western Washington and what you discovered when you went there. Let's begin with Port Townsend's landmark hotel. Some people still call it the castle. And uh, Manresa Castle is a place where there is a lot of history and apparently a lot of haunting. I've been there myself, didn't get haunted, kind of wished I had there, but I had the experience of this glorious place in Port Townsend, Manresa Castle. You have been there and you have some stories to tell in regard, so please share. Well, the stories I have have to do with people who actually work there. And a while back when I went there, it was just so accommodating. They had the open door policy. And my friend Ella, she was with me, and they let us go through the rooms to visit with the housekeepers, the staff that actually runs the place. 
And the housekeepers would tell us that something that is quite common is that when they're listening to their headsets, because you know how people play their brand of music or talk show when they're working alone, all of a sudden, violin music would start to play. Eerie, sad violin music. And they didn't change the channel. It came in crystal clear, whatever channel that is actually on, wherever that came from. But that's been known to happen to them while they're going about their daily chores of that hotel. And having these experiences, they shared them with you. What was the sense that you had? Did you have any particular experience of your own? I went hoping for one, and maybe that's why I didn't do it. Sometimes you hope for something so much you'd have to invent it. There, I did spend a night in Manresa Castle, lovely room. I mean, you talk about Victorian elegance. It was really a wonderful experience. No hauntings. What about your own experience? Did you sense anything that we might call paranormal going on around you? What I sensed was a presence. We felt the intensity that we were entering a community that was accepting us. It was dormant. It wasn't on the attack. It wasn't necessarily getting our attention. It was aware that we already knew. And then to walk through the hotel, we would hear the stories. Now, there are three rooms that basically get the most reports, and that's room 302, 304, and 306. Now, I believe 302 is that large room off to the side that has that castle effect on it, that roof that's sort of like the Tin Man or the Wizard of Oz. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. In that room, they get most reports because, sadly, years ago, a monk had hung himself in the attic directly mm. above that room. And that is where odd things are known to happen. And so we entered that room. We spent time there. We prayed a bit and just absorbed it. We could feel the tension, but we did not see any activity other than the knowing of it. And then when we went downstairs to the bar, well, that used to be the chapel. Among other things, glasses are known to move. And for whatever reason, suddenly turned upside down. If they were full, they would have spilled. And the really? Per- and the person who told me this, he is the grandson of the original owner of that hotel. So this is definitely all of the family. I believe the Jesuits who used Manresa Castle, as, by whatever name it was known to them, there as a, uh, a residence, yes, but also a monastery and a seminary. They left there in 1968, if I have that correct, at a time when there were only three bathrooms, for one thing. Now there are 43, and it became a hotel of wonder in Port Townsend. It really stands out. And I do recall the story about the Jesuit who hung himself, maybe in uh, overwhelmed with guilt for some reason. So that was a very tragic story. And that leaves either an imprint or perhaps there's an earthbound spirit. The ghost hunters tell me, I'm not sure which it is, but this experience has been reported over the years many times. Yes, and there is something about the act of suicide and earthbound. There's kind of a connection there. I don't know if it holds true each and every time, but that is certainly a theme. We also had a woman who was waiting for her husband to return from war. And when she found out he was lost, she jumped out one of the upstairs windows. And she basically frequents that hotel as well. And these are verified historical events. Regardless of the ghostly activity, these things actually happened. 
they did happen. She took her life when she found out her husband was not going to come back. That is a very sad story. I remember standing in the lobby, this was several years ago, and I walked over just because I felt compelled to do so. It was such a lovely room. There is a drawing room or study there in Victorian style along with the rest of the castle. And I can't say I saw a ghost, didn't hear anything unusual, but I do recall feeling the weight of history there. I stepped inside and I just thought, if I were a ghost, I think I would find this a very pleasant haunt because there was something that was so elegant and so evocative of the Victorian era that I could feel the presence of that historical, uh, the historical significance and all of the people who came back and forth in and out of that study. It was a remarkable feeling. That's exactly how we felt when we approached it. The building was so large in one way, but it was vast and vacant, empty another way. And when we entered that building, there were very few people actually renting that day. We felt that we had it privately reserved for ourselves as if it was a calling. And then what better tour than to have the housemaids walk you around, to have people who have worked there for years, and then they show you rooms where they would spend their time doing a meticulous job and then you know when you're done with the job, you're standing just outside the door jam where your hand might be inside the door by the light switch. And they're talking as a school monitor would do. And then a minute later, they turn to close the door and the room is in shambles. Beds are turned over. Uh, the beds are, bedspreads are thrown about. The curtains are now unbalanced. It's like a kid's running into a contaminated room real quick as a Halloween prank. They get that once in a while where they have to clean the room a second time. And it's one thing when one person is telling you this, there were a few that had identical stories, and it's happened to them more than twice. That's when it starts to make you wonder. <laughs> yes. That, that is amazing. I would recommend to anyone that they go to Manresa Castle, whether you're the type that looks for ghosts or you simply want to have a piece of the, of the Victorian era for your very own experience. I just think it's a beautiful hotel, very well run. And the food is very good. I had breakfast, as a matter of fact. there didn't eat dinner, but I did have breakfast. Wonderful service, great food, lovely restaurant surroundings. The ambiance is terrific. And I would recommend that to anyone who wants to get out of Seattle but still be in western Washington. There's so many places uh, in and around Puget Sound and then beyond where you can visit. And many of them have this great historical character. Manresa Castle certainly is one such place and prominent among them. Now, Matt, I am ready to move on because I just found out in researching for today's episode that the Toklan Hotel in Washington State is Washington State's oldest hotel. That was a surprise. And you have been there. In fact, you know the staff, maybe even the ownership there. What a story to be told. There is a three-ring circus going on there. And this, that hotel was built in the late 1800s. Manresa was constructed in 1892. And they're about the same time. I think we're actually 1885, but they're about. Now, first of all, they have what is called Washaway Beach there. Washaway Beach is a sandy beach that keeps eroding, and it keeps 
changing its formation because of the pounding surf, the winds, and the sand. They used to smuggle Chinese immigrants in long ago, and they would hide at that hotel. And there was a place by the fireplace, a closet, where they would often hide when customs would come looking for them. Mm. The resident ghost there is named Charlie, and that's a little facetious, but Charlie had suffocated while hiding from the authorities. From this point forward, the rest is history. Little things happen there, like in the kitchen, things might be thrown, not at people. In the dining room next to the kitchen, fantastic restaurant there. Mm -hmm. It's the 1800s alive at well. People have claimed to watch their plates spin in front of them or their glass move. Utensils from the kitchen would end up hidden in peculiar places throughout the hotel, and the owners would look at one another and say, it's Charlie, he's doing it again. But there's far more than just that. I was talking to Catherine, and she was the owner of it for, I believe, roughly 26 years or so. I was talking to her just yesterday, and her and her husband had many stories. And today, Heather and her husband, Zach, have taken over, carrying on the tradition. They, too, have a lot of stories. Something that is known to happen all the time is that you will hear the laughter of children giggling or you could hear that they're upstairs in one of their rooms jumping up and down on the beds. And, of course, when you get there, nobody's there. But just before you open that door, it was very loud. Sometimes the beds are a mess. Other times the beds have been straightened out like an effort of um, getting some amnesty out of this. <laughs> now, here is something incredible. It keeps getting deeper, deeper, and deeper. As recent as a few months ago... Yet again, one of the patrons would comment, did you see that wonderful little boy outside, the one with the dog? They've heard that story many times, a young child with a dog. When you enter the main entrance of the Tolkien Hotel, to the left-hand side of it is a tombstone of a boy who passed away at age four, I believe, 1860. His last name is Brown, and the original owner's those who initially had that building constructed, that was the Brown family. That tombstone was found after an area was flooded out, and when they walked through it, they saw some tombstones. So they respectfully put it on a higher land, and they have it next to the hotel, and when they find out where that boy is buried, they'll put it back. He seems to be having quite an eternity playing there with the guests and other friends. I love that story. I'll tell you another thing that I really appreciate, Matt, about the Tokeland Hotel. They are unabashed in their acknowledgement of its status as a haunted place. I was looking at their website shortly before we went on air. And when I saw that there were two rooms identified as haunted, I thought, no, there is a hotel with an attitude. Yes, we're haunted. Yes, we know these stories, and we're willing to share them with you. I think that's a fantastic way, not just for the sake of public relations or creating a reputation, but in being authentic and representing the history of the place itself. There is actually a third room. Room number three is known as the cat room because many have seen an elder woman sitting in a chair with a cat on her lap. And many sleeping there said, you must have a house cat. It jumped up on me. It purred. It rubbed against me at night. But it's also called something else. And I think you saw the name already. 
It's called the Robert Plant Room because, yes, yes, he did stay a night there. Now, given the choice, if you saw George Washington slept here or Robert (laughs) Plant, I personally would go with Robert Plant. Now, there may be some, I I know, they might have been living in caves, but who's Robert Plant? He is the lead for Led Zeppelin. And a man who undertook serious study of spirituality, of metaphysics. So for it to be the Robert Plant room is fitting, I think. Yes, he was there, I believe, in the 90s, along with his bodyguard. But to have someone of his stature there, unbelievable. Now, a little trivia, when you see the Houses of the Holy cover, he had just lost a son at that time. And Mm. I was told that those were images of his son climbing up an altar. There is a wonderful connection of respect here. And he may or may not have gone to the hotel because of its history. It's a neat hotel regardless. Hey, why not go anyway? Yes. And I want to give these folks their due. If you go to Manresa Castle, you're going to Port Townsend. No problem finding Manresa Castle. I will confess to you that I'm not sure if I were in Seattle right now how I would get to Tokeland. Where is it exactly and where specifically might one find the hotel? Is it very prominent? It is very simple how to get there. We all heard of the town Raymond. When you are going down by Olympia and decide to head to Ocean Shores, Eventually, you have signs to go to Raymond, Washington. And when you go to Raymond, Washington, when you hit the boundary line of that town, it has a sign plain as day taking you to Tokeland, Washington. Also, Westport. To go to Westport and Tokeland, it's basically the same road. You cannot miss it. It goes right through that. Now, Tokeland, Washington, it has a beautiful Indian cemetery, highly honored, We do not step there unless we're family. But there is something else about Tolkien, Washington. Here's the three-ring circus part. Washaway Beach occasionally has chunks of wood from shipwrecks, Mm -hmm. and one of which was called the Canadian, it was a Canadian ship. In fact, I got it written right here. It was called the Canadian Exporter, which ran aground in 1921, and they could tell by the marked lumber on the car, well, cargo that it is from that ship. However, they had the Trinidad that was also lost in 1937 that also had a lumber supply for the same mill. And so it's one of two ships, unless there's another one out there we don't know of. But every so often, a portion of the ship washes ashore, and then high tide it goes back out again. And it'll be somewhere on the beach, maybe a few hundred yards up or down either direction. And sometimes you get driftwood that is from these ships from last century. That's something, isn't it? It's something that makes me feel goosebumps. There's an eerie quality to it. It becomes a place of mystery on the basis of so much history behind it and the remnants of that history washing ashore and being carried back out to sea again. Wow. What an extraordinary experience that would be. I also would like to say on their behalf that they have kept their prices reasonable. It's unbelievable because when I was there within the last two weeks, they were going, all systems go, running on all cylinders as if they just had opened in 1885. And Heather and Zach do a magnificent job. Catherine, who has been there for 26 years, she's Mm -hmm. still there. She lives on the property. Rosie, Alex... 
they are just wonderful people. They have the time of day, and they give you a personal tour. They sit down with you and have some tea. They tell you some inside things that have happened recently. Road trippers who love American road travel, American Road Magazine, who love trip talk. I advise you to go there. I am going to make a point the next time I am in Western Washington of getting to Tokeland and visiting that hotel because I think it would be an extraordinary experience. And I guess with a little bit of it, they must stay reasonably full year round. So it'd be a good idea to call ahead, especially if you want one of the reportedly haunted rooms because they can Uh point them out and ask you. And if you're a big Led Zeppelin fan, you can go to the Robert Plant room and stay there as well. Excellent. Well, one more, uh, and now really we get into a tragic aspect of Western Washington history, Matt. I wanted to have you tell us a bit about, in our waning minutes, about Western State Hospital, which has a, a tragic to the point of criminal history. And yes, it is very eerie. Yes, it may be haunted. But this is, in a way, man's inhumanity to his fellow man at Western State, which in the early going, opened by the U.S. Army, if I recall correctly, was known as an insane asylum. Hardly politically correct, but it was an insane asylum, ultimately becoming Western State Hospital. A very tragic history there. It's very funny how you word that. In 1849, Fort Stillicum was constructed, and then in 1871, it was turned into an asylum. And so they had new structures there in 1871, and there was so much, what's the word, malpractice, violations against human rights, so much they had destroyed the initial buildings and then rebuilt on top of that. And from this point forward, from 1888 on forward, we have the new Western State Hospital, and they say basically it's an old hospital with a lot of extensions to and rebuilt around it. But from 1888 on forward, it is there. Now, here is something that really got me. My friend Elle and I wanted to go there to Stillicum. First time we'd ever been there. As we arrived, we parked the car, and we're next to their uh, cemetery. The cemetery has over 3,200 people laid to rest there, almost all unmarked graves, because at the time it was considered such a stigma to hide it, to sweep it under the carpet. So we walk on the cemetery. It's tranquil. Almost everything is a plate that is ground number with a number on it. Very few actually have writings and are identified. For some reason, I entered the way I did, walked the path I did, kept walking, and something compelled me to stop and look straight down. And the plate that was looking up on me was a man by the name of Benjamin Hooper, who was born in 1792. That means he would have known people who fought the Revolutionary War, and he passed in 1891, and then underneath his name in bold print, first patient admitted, and then it says it is to Washington Territory's Asylum for the Insane. He was the very first patient there. And for whatever reason, something guided me there, had me stop, look down, and that's what was facing me. Patient number one. There's something that compelled me to be there because this is a beautiful park. I like to emphasize that my friends and the company I keep were not into seances or Ouija boards. We're not there to take memorabilia. 
If we were to find ourselves at the Roman Colosseum, we would greatly respect it, but if we had the opportunity to take a pebble, we wouldn't dare. And so we come and leave with respect. And occasionally I'll pray. If I feel the tension of that I'm not alone being watched, I'll respect it even more. Now, part of this beautiful park, Fort Stillicum, they have what was called Kale Ward, and that's where was a dormitory for many of the patients, and yes, some very wrong things had happened to them. It is now leveled, and a beautiful monument is made out of it, but there was a smokestack that it was known for, and I kept trying to find the smokestack. And what happened was, as I'm walking around trying to find it, something told me just to stop, just to ask the people there. I had no idea that this little flower bed was a monument. They had the piece of it remaining there. You never would have seen it. If it was a snake, it would have got me. But this day seemed to be filled of things where, against my own will, I was naturally traveling what I, where I was meant to go, what I wanted to find. I envy you your experiences, Matt. It's, it's wonderful to know that you have this passion. I hope that you continue living up to the nickname, because I mean it in all respect to you, Spirit Spelunker. You do your work. You become a historian of these weird places in western Washington that are deserving of exploration. I can't thank you enough for joining us today, and I promise you, Matt, we'll have you back on the show because there are so many more tales that you have to share. Gary, I appreciate it. I'm having the time of my life with you. Well, we'll keep that going, buddy. That's for sure. Thank you, Matt Shea. Great to talk to you today. I wanted to tell everyone before we close, American Roads 2019 Picture Perfect Photography Contest celebrates art in every form. Art inspires and influences people in many ways. Submit a photograph of your favorite subject that inspires you to travel and celebrate life. Whether it's a photo of a beautiful sunset, a quirky roadside attraction, or a neon sign, let your imagination soar. Send us your picture-perfect photo. You could win $500 and have your photograph published in an upcoming issue of American Road Magazine. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com for details and entry instructions. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. We always love having you with us. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next time, drive safely and dream well.